Welcome to episode three of Superman Confidential, the all Superman podcast. I am Tom, your host. And for today's episode, I wanted to do something a little special for Superman the movie. December 15th was the 40th anniversary of Superman the movie. One of the most important movies, especially from a superhero perspective, uh, started something really big among superheroes. We see, we take for granted now how many superhero films there are and how many there are going to be and how they keep constantly coming out. It seems like every month we have one. And it's crazy to think 40 years ago, this is where it started. This was the first big budget, serious attempt on serious take at the source material. There had been other superhero movies of the sort, some kind. I know there was a movie version of the Adam West Batman TV series in the 60s, and there have been some other superhero type of movies, but this is really the first time a comic book superhero, big budget, serious take on the source material, and what a huge blockbuster it was, making $300 million in $1978. Uh, it's obviously a fantastic movie, I think, and you know, so many great performances and so much great work from Richard Donner and Tom Mankiewicz to... Christopher Reeve, Margot Kidder, Marlon Brando, and Gene Hackman, all of those performances making this such a special movie and obviously huge for Superman fans. Uh, the character of Superman was 40 years old at that time, still very popular among people. He, he had been in radio, he'd been in TV, there were theatrical serials and things like that. But again, this is the first first major budgeted movie of its kind and very important. And I wanted to do something for it for the 40th anniversary. And I thought a full-on review or commentary track or anything like that would be a little daunting for episode three here. Uh, I don't think I'm ready to do that yet, but I wanted to do something for it. And I decided to come up with the best scenes from the film. Um, this is this was really difficult to do. The, first off, there's not really a lot of bad scenes in this movie. I think if you ask for bad scenes, I think people might point out the can you read my mind scene or the turning back time slash going back in time Superman thing. And I understand those complaints. Um, but really besides that, even taking those into account, if you count those, not many bad scenes. So this is really hard to do to pick out the best scenes. I think if I was given this task, if I gave myself this task 10 times and I watched this movie 10 different times and picked out my five favorite scenes, I would probably come up with five different ones each time. Uh, a couple would probably make it every time, but there's just so many good scenes to pick and choose from. And so these are the five, but by no means the definitive five best scenes in the movie. Uh, but five I enjoyed the most on this watch. Let me talk about a couple runners up first. Uh, and this is all going to be in chronological order of the film. I didn't want to rank the five best. I just want to give a list. And so they are done in order. But uh, to start off with the Krypton scene, particularly with Jor-El and Lara sending off baby Kal-El is a really cool scene. And yeah, maybe Marlon Brando is reading off of cue cards in there and that might take away from it a little bit. But if if you look overlook that, it's really a powerful scene. We take for granted that Krypton has to blow up, that Jor-El has to, has to go uh, and all of those characters are nothing. You know, the, the purpose of Krypton is to blow up. I don't don't necessarily argue that it's easy to forget that but this movie spends a lot of time and good 20 minutes 
on Krypton and really establishing that world of where Kal-El comes from. And if you put that aside and think about this of instead of thinking of Krypton as a place that has to blow up, and you think of this from Jor-El and Lara's perspective, just two parents that want the best for their child and don't know what to do. It's incredibly risky idea to send off your baby to a different planet, even if you think the that your world is going to explode or or go away. Uh, it, it's that's a very very risky move, and it shows how ingrained in the Superman mythology hope is that there is the start of Kal El is basically the start of hope for the last hope for these two these two people Jor-El and Lara uh, their lives are ending but they hope their hope lives on their legacy lives on through this baby Kal-El and that's really really powerful and yeah yeah they have to blow up it otherwise there's not a Superman there's not a story there but from that perspective you see how ingrained hope is and why why this character stands for hope Another another scene that I didn't count, but I wanted to mention was Clark telling Martha he has to leave. This is after Jonathan's death, and they're just standing in a field. You can tell he's he's thinking. He's got a lot of a lot on his mind, and he needs to figure some stuff out. And Martha is very understanding. You know, she says they knew that this had to come. This day would come where he had to leave, and it's a really powerful scene. And this is something I would point to for people who think Superman isn't a relatable character. Um, this, this really shows it. And this is something that was really expanded on and over 10 seasons in Smallville. If you read Superman for all seasons written by Jeff Loeb with art by Tim Sale, that is, that really expands, really picks up on this scene and expands that very much. Uh, this is a kid who doesn't know what he wants to do with his life. He's 18. He has all these powers. He has all these possibilities. He's lost his father. He doesn't know what he needs to do, but he goes out and searches and finds the answers. And I think that's definitely something, one of the most relatable aspects of the Superman mythology. Um, this kid with all these powers could turn into anything. He could be whatever he wanted to be just about. Uh, and your parents always tell you that you can be whatever you wanted, whatever you want to be or, or that. Um, and here's one who really could be anything he wanted to be and more. And, uh, there's that confusion. There's that time he, he needs to figure out what to do. And that talk with Jonathan he had before that, I think helps inform that. And that's something I'll get to later. Uh, but again, a really powerful scene. And the last of the runners up is just the final Superman action scene going around, stopping missiles, fixing the dam, saving a train, saving a bus, nothing really, nothing really there except awesome, awesome heroic action. And it, it goes on for a while it's the payoff it is the super feats i'm not one who thinks you need to have superman in a physical battle uh, fighting someone to fighting an equal a supervillain with powers i think that's great and i love seeing that from time to time but i also like him just doing the more normal things not taking on a villain but saving buses saving trains doing all those things that's really cool superman action and a really cool payoff at the end of the film now, let's get into the actual top five scenes I had here, my favorite scenes. And these, of course, are in chronological order. So, start off the scene with high school Clark and Jonathan, the one real scene between Clark and Jonathan in this film. Uh, it starts before with Clark 
Brad and Lana. After football practice, we see what's going on there. We get a little bit of what Clark's high school life is like. And we see him racing a train. He gets home before he gets before everyone in the car drives by. And Jonathan is there. Glenn Ford, played by Glenn Ford, and just asks Clark about showing off and his powers. And this is a really powerful scene. It sums up four and a half years of Smallville, uh, 15 years probably of, of this Clark being raised by the Kents. He, he was found when he was about three years old. He's probably 17 or 18 year. So we see what 15 years growing up with the Kents is like, and it is just so well done. There's Jeff East is playing Clark voiced up by Christopher Reeve, of course. And this relationship is just summed up so well. And we know exactly what Clark's childhood was like, how he was raised and what kind of a man Jonathan was from this scene. And it's one of the impressive things about this film. They move from Krypton to Smallville to Metropolis, spending a lot of time on each, but they don't waste any time. Again, they didn't have several scenes of Clark growing up. They could have. They could have fit it in, but this one scene is executed so well that they didn't necessarily need that. We get enough from this to know why Clark is the type of man he is. Again, it starts with Ford, Jonathan, asking about showing off and and everything he's doing. And Clark talks about how he's got all these powers and he wants to show them off. And is it showing off? You know, he says, is a bird showing off when it flies? And it's just a, a cool way to look at it. And then there's the most powerful quote from Jonathan. Uh, there's one thing I do know, son, and that is you are here for a reason. I don't know whose reason, whatever the reason is, you know, maybe it's because I don't know. It's, but I do know one thing. It's not to score touchdowns. Uh, really cool thing. I know Clark plays football sometimes later, uh, post-crisis. He played football, Smallville, he played football a little bit. Lois and Clark, he played football a little bit. Um, but I mean, that just sums it all up. Uh, all of those powers don't know what it is. Jonathan doesn't know what it is. And he imparts that wisdom onto Clark. This shows so much about who Jonathan is. He's not the classic, what he would call himself a simple man, you know, a simple farmer or something like that, even though he's got wisdom beyond his years. And he imparts that to Clark here. And you see, you see where Clark's humility comes from, his discipline, his goodness, and how vital the Kents are to that, both Jonathan and Martha. And, you know, it's a really heartwarming scene, touching scene. And it ends with Clark thanking his dad. You know, he asks him to go play, asks him to play. And uh, Jonathan has his heart attack. And just a just a really powerful scene, an emotional scene, uh, touching on so much and getting that, that Smallville, Smallville flavor. And so overall, a great emotional scene. The next up would be Clark Kent's introduction at the Daily Planet. This happens around the 48-minute mark. Just a fantastic scene from start to finish. You can tell the energy really picks up when this movie moves to Metropolis. The pace really picks up. It's almost like a different movie. They they talked about how, I think Richard Downer talked about how they wanted different feels for each of the locations, different tones where Krypton's a sci-fi thing, uh, Smallville is the middle America, and then Metropolis is the big city. It's all very different and shows the three different places where Superman is from. Uh, it's just great from start to finish, and it starts how starts with um, Jimmy Olsen taking a photo of Lois Lane, Mark McClure, and Margot Kidder. 
and it quickly establishes again so much happens quickly in this and it quickly establishes the status quo at the daily planet we quickly know who jimmy olsen is and lois lane and perry white and clark kent gets to meet those and we see all of them through his eyes uh, it always fascinates me about what type of murder story lois is writing <laughs> misspelling words like bloodletting massacre rapist uh, she's she's definitely in some hard-hitting stuff but it, it shows how lois really gets into the story gets in to hard-hitting stories and isn't afraid of that and uh, again establishes her really quick and we go to clark kent opening perry white's bottle and lois shook it up just a lot of fun little humor here mixed throughout and perry gives jimmy a coffee order jimmy tells someone else to get it and also orders a tea uh, really fun you know we hear clark is the fastest typist perry has ever seen uh just bunch of ridiculous stuff but then we also get the heart of clark sending half his money half his salary to my kent uh, which lois doesn't really believe you know she's a little more cynical and she asks if there's any more at home like him and not really know and we start to see a little bit of a little bit of the chemistry between christopher reeve and margot kidder and i like that at the start of this scene lois is very dismissive of clark not necessarily dismisses dismissive of clark in particular but she's busy she's focused on the story she's got other things on her mind she doesn't care about this new guy coming in and then he steals her steals her job but by the end of this scene you can tell she's interested not necessarily romantically but she's she can tell there's more to clark than meets the eye uh he's not quite what she was expecting and i i do like that and we also get to see christopher reeve being awesome this is really his introduction he gets the quick scene in the Fortress of Solitude before this, flying away as Superman. But this is really when Christopher Reeve finally enters the movie, you know, around 48 minutes, which is crazy. Uh, he wasn't wasn't first billed, but you would think Superman would be the star of Superman and, and get plenty of screen time throughout the film. But it's really not till about a third of the way into the film that he he joins the thing and. Bumbling Clark Kent is not my favorite interpretation of Clark Kent. I do like more of a more of a mild-mannered, uh, more of a not necessarily standing out in a good way or a bad way. I think a bumbling Clark might stand out just as much as an exceptional Clark. So that's not my favorite interpretation, but Christopher Reeve absolutely nails it. And it is so enjoyable to see bumbling Clark Kent. In all of his Metropolis scenes, all of his Clark Kent scenes, even though it's not my favorite thing, my favorite interpretation, he is so excellent at it that it is just so enjoyable. And then, again, every all of these scenes start with a great scene before and then lead into one. And this one leads into the great Clark complaining about the hours, <laughs> the hours were long, swell, all that, and then the alleyway save. So just a tremendous other little stint here in the film. And of course, next, a scene that pretty much has to be included from a Superman perspective, the helicopter save, the introduction of Superman to the world. Again, we saw that brief snippet of Superman earlier flying out of the Fortress of Solitude. That was really it. That's really been it. And we are more than an hour into the film now. Haven't seen Superman in, in all his glory. So around the 65-minute mark is finally when we start to get a Superman action scene. We've got Lois getting a helicopter ride to Air Force One. There's a helicopter malfunction, Lois screaming, all of that. Chopper starts going off the side of the building. There's commotion under the Daily Planet. And this is 
a really excellent action scene that Richard Donner construction constructs here. The tension slowly builds. He he lets it. It's not just Lois goes to the helicopter. The helicopter falls. It's slowly building, and then we see the helicopter going off the side and the pilot passing out and all of that going on. It just slowly builds the tension, and I love that that is contra- contrasted with Clark casually walking out on the ground level, walking out of the Daily Planet, just looks up and sees the copter. Uh, he noticed that Lois's hat has fallen. I think that's what that is. And he starts to put together what's going on. And it's just a terrific, terrific juxtaposition, I guess, if you will, showing off the commotion mixed with a laid back Clark Kent going there. And so he, he starts to pick it up when he realizes what's going on. He runs to the payphone, but it is not a phone booth. Uh, which I just double-checked. I know Clark Kent has long been associated with changing into Superman and phone booths. It hasn't been done that much in live action, but even by this time, he was so well-known for that. I think it started with the Fleischer cartoons in 1941, and, and just I think it was big on the radio show as well that Clark changes into Superman in the phone booth. But he just looks it up and down. It's just a payphone. Can't use that. So he crosses the street. We get the shirt rip. Uh, we start to get John Williams theme really starting to kick in and pick up. And then Superman goes into the revolving door or Clark goes into the revolving door, comes out as Superman. What happened to his clothes? I don't know. Uh, yeah, they could be anywhere. Where is this? Where's his briefcase? I don't know. He said it somewhere quickly. He just moved so fast. We couldn't see it. But then we get whatever is going on. Whoever that man is with the two ladies uh, say, Jim, whoa, that's a bad outfit. I always laughed at this for that guy, for his delivery. I mean, how would you respond if you lived in a world where there weren't superheroes or comic books or any of that, and you saw a man dressed in tights? I mean, how would you respond? This is how that guy responded, and I always laughed at at the guy's delivery, but the more I see this, the more I laugh at at Christopher Reeve's performance, because he just... He just calmly says, excuse me, it, it just dismissive, like, oh, you know, I'd love to talk to you right now, but I've got to catch this lady falling off the building and prevent the helicopter from landing on top of you. And just excuse me. And then he flies off. It's it's just, uh, I don't know why. I don't think it was meant to be funny, but it makes me laugh. And that is kind of Superman. He, he doesn't want to be rude. Uh, so he just says kindly, excuse me, I'm going to go save the day now. And we finally get the, the awesome action. Clark catches Lois and then the helicopter tremendous work by christopher reeve easy miss i've got you then of course margot kidder's great delivery you've got me who's got you uh just a classic superman scene what a fantastic introduction superhero entrance i mean what more could you want in one uh go on and superman gets help for the pilot uh great line about flying being the safest way to travel and lois asks who he is and he just simply says a friend and that is a simple introduction to superman and we get more of that later and then lois passes out and again this goes on to another great scene of just superman saving the day going around stopping a robbery fixing an airplane that's that's malfunction all those kind of things and more superman action they finally delivering after more than an hour without it okay i'm down to the final two scenes here and crazy because there's so many more i could include here but this one is the Lois Lane interview of Superman. I don't have a ton of analysis for this. It is just a treat to watch from from both Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder's perspective. You see the chemistry those two have. This is really a love story between Lois Lane and 
Superman and you see the, their chemistry, you see their attraction to one another. Lois is waiting on the balcony in the blue dress. And one of my favorite things is just, we really get to see Christopher Reeve's presence as Superman. I always think an important part of Superman is the presence. It's really hard to describe. It's, it's kind of an intangible thing. And some actors have been great at it. Some haven't been as great at it, but it's really tough to describe. And the way I describe it is with this scene here. So we see Christopher Reeve showing up. Good evening, Miss Lane. Uh, just that presence, that, that thing. And part of the presence is the physical, you know, the, the build, the muscle, all of that, the suit, all of that is part of the Superman presence, but also just the, the personality and the way the actor carries himself. I think a great example is how, if you look at the screen tests, when Christopher Reeve was testing to be Superman, he's 40 pounds lighter. He's wearing not the final suit, but it has sweat stains under the armpits. He's lean. Uh, he just doesn't look as, as big or anything like that as he does when he's in this film. But boy, that, that test scene is this scene. And he steps off the ledge, says, good evening, Miss Lane. And you're like, yeah, that is Superman. Uh, can't really describe it. It's just there. And I love that, that presence that Reeve has in, in all of the Superman films that he's in. The scene gives us, you know, Superman's bio, his background, all that vital information. I always think that's interesting. And we get to see him say, I'm here to fight for truth, justice, and the American way, which sounds corny to some. And even in 1978, Lois points that out. She laughs at that. You know, you're going to fight every public official in this town. All of that, you know, she says, you know, she points out that basically sounds corny even then. And so truth, justice, and the American way. But the way Christopher Reeve delivers it is believable. Like I said, that goes back to that Superman presence. That is a cornier, cornier line, a cheesier line, even though it's really important to the Superman mythology. But when Christopher Reeve says it, you believe it. And so that is what makes it so powerful. Then we go on to the flight scene. And I know this is one of the least favorite scenes for a lot of people. Uh, I could argue that, yes, maybe it does go on a little bit long, although... To put it in 1978 terms, the the tagline for this film was, you'll believe a man can fly. They really show it off here uh, with a long, long flying sequence, something that hadn't been done in cinemas to that point. So I guess if you have a tagline like that, you better have a long flying scene, and this pays it off there. So uh, not my favorite part of the movie, but I could definitely see it playing better on the big screen in 1978. And that ends, again, with Superman flying off. And Lois is kind of dazed, realizes Clark's at the door, and it's just funny to see her being dazed. And that also has the moment that a lot of people have pointed out, where Reeve is there as Clark Kent, slumping his shoulders, got his glasses on, and Lois is in the other room. But he just stands up, take his, takes off his glasses, and in an instant, he's transformed into Superman, even in Clark Kent's suit. And you know, you, you see why it is so believable that these would be two different people and just from his action and last up is a lex luther scene it is lex's plan to defeat superman happens around the 94 minute mark where he reads the newspaper i spent the night with superman that article from lois lane which i never realized was the title until they pointed out in superman returns and a lot of good stuff going on here we get to see the lex otis and miss testmacher dynamic a little bit more but some really great Lex Luthor stuff we obviously see 
what his evil plan is and and get to see some of his scientific genius even if i don't quite i think he gets those those uh ideas pretty quick but the great part is getting into lex Luthor's psychology this quote which yes i was reminded of in ready player one so i'm glad that this got pointed out there uh that film but Lex's quote of some people could read One Piece and come away thinking it's a simple adventure story. Others can read the ingredients on a chewing gum wrapper and unlock the secrets of the universe. And that tells you so much about Lex Luthor. It's also just a great quote, but it tells you Lex Luthor. He sees things differently than other people. There is a lot of ways to look at stories, a lot of ways to look at chewing gum, a lot of ways to look at pretty much anything. And Lex looks at things a little bit differently than everyone. And that's what that's where his genius lies. And so I think that's just a terrific quote to point that out. One And probably Lex's favorite scene. I couldn't decide really what's my favorite Lex Luthor scene. Obviously, the scene later with Superman between Gene Hackman and Christopher Reeve is great too. You ask me on a different day, maybe that one's I would prefer. But this one really stood out to me. Even going through all of these scenes here, there's others I want to point out and others... Uh, I wish I could mention in some way, but I just wanted to mention a handful of my favorite than the best scenes in Superman the movie. So a, a great film overall, filled with great scenes. But those are those are what stood out to me on this viewing. Uh, I'm curious to see if you agree or if you think I, I missed something or shouldn't have included one. I I could definitely see lots of arguments to be made in favor and against the ones I made. But these are what I have for you today. So that's all I've got for this week's episode. Plan is to be back next week as we're getting towards the end of 2018 with a wrap up of Superman with everything that went on and happened the big news of 2018. So a bit of a recap of 2018 from a Superman perspective. I will talk to you then.